0: Abroad, the podcast for expats with traveling partners. My name is Rhoda Bangata, and I'm your host. I'm a speaker, author, researcher on the topic of families, where one of the partners works away from home a lot. My guest today is Colleen Higgs. She trained as an engineer. She's a mom of five, the wife of a husband who works away from home. Colleen and I own the same mastermind group. A mutual friend of ours introduced us a few years back. Colleen blogs at unpacking parenting for professionals turned moms who enter parenting with high expectations and are usually doing better than they think. I highly recommend signing up for her newsletter. You'll get plenty of inspiration and practical advice. Colleen, Thank you for joining me today. I'm very excited to have this conversation with you. Me too. I'm looking forward to it. Well, this conversation is going to be combining the angle that you're looking parenting at, with also the reality because you're you're living this right now, right? Your husband is away two weeks at a time and comes back for three days, and you've been doing this for what a year and a half now. Yes, we're on the tail end okay. of an eighteen month stint. Yes. Okay. Okay. So can we start first with sort of, can you explain a little bit what unpacking parenting is about and how you came to it? Yeah. Kind of the angle that you're looking at it, because it's not about parenting per se, is it? It's not about, you know, how to make a meal plan or how to parent a child. It is not.
1: I've I've also been an expat a few times. And the first time I went overseas, I was 23 and very enthusiastic and very inexperienced and disorganized and I stayed up the night before my flight till all hours, like rolling clothes and rearranging everything like Tetris style, trying to stuff in as much dark chocolate and candy as I possibly could for eight months because I wanted everything that I could possibly want for the whole, the whole trip all at Mm -hmm. once. And, um, of course, since then I've learned to pack really differently, but I think we do, sometimes we do the same thing in our parenting, especially those of us who come to it from a professional background. We want to learn everything and load up on, have all the skills and be all prepared from the get-go and we don't need to, and it doesn't work and it's kind of stressful and we, we end up carrying a lot Heavier load and expectations and stress about it than we need to, mm-hmm. and so yeah, I say I I used to be an overachiever and now I'm a parent. <laughs> That's the end of the end of my overachieving days because no one feels like an overachiever as a parent.
0: Yes, uh, parenting is messy. Parenting is trial and error. It's a lot of. You know, second guessing, learning, there's no real measurement is there in terms of um, sometimes, you know, when we're professionals, we have an objective and we measure and it's measurable and achievable. And yes, to a certain extent, we can have those with our children, but something happens or (laughs) it doesn't quite always go in a straight line, does it? No, it's not a predictable
1: input gives you a predictable output. And and I think we've sort of been trained through schooling and work culture and whatnot that that being productive is good, getting a lot done in a short time is good. Feeling um qualified and confident is good. Like you never feel any of those things as a or <laughs> rarely feel any of those things as a parent, especially in the early years. You're, and that doesn't mean you're doing it wrong. It means the metric for doing it right has changed. Right. Right. What what your children need is maybe not for you to get the most things checked off your to-do list in the run of a few hours.
0: Right. And I think in the light of the way that the lifestyle that we have when our partners are gone a lot, I think this is even more applicable I mean I think it's applicable across the board but I think this is something that we have to remember even more I think because we're solo parenting most of the time and we just can't apply those metrics we have to I think it's important to remember to give ourselves grace and remember that even comparing ourselves to other families I always say like you, you just can't compare your family. I remember like once I was like comparing myself to the woman who, to the family living across the road from us. You just can't. They'd never moved. Their parents were down the road. The in-laws within the next village. No. They
1: have Sunday, Sunday lunch with the grandparents every week. And they have the same
0: routine 20 years ago. Yeah, exactly. They have the same routine. And the grandparents took the kids every weekend. So yeah no, so <laughs> so I'm so I'm excited to kind of come to, to hear your experience over the last year and a half, but also pulling from the years uh, as an expat that you've been because you've had different combinations through the years. Your children were born in different countries. Um, your partner's been, you know, your husband's been traveling on and off, away or home. So you have sort of all the different perspectives here. Um, And then always keeping in the back of the the mind, this this angle that you have of measuring parenting. And I think that feeds into some of the notes that you sent me. So um, I asked you one of the questions was, uh, you know, what have you learned? He, He goes away for two weeks, come back three weeks. That seems to me like a very short time to come back.
1: Yeah, he's usually home about three or three and a half days out of every 14. So during the school weeks, with the exception of sometimes a full day on Friday and a Monday morning, during the school week, I'm solo parenting.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. what? how do you do it? Tell me. How? I mean, does it seem more? More. <laughs> than if he was home? Or different? Well,
1: yeah. Yes, it's so maybe the first thing is what you just said, don't don't compare. Um, uh, I mean, we've all heard that advice that you don't have to be a solo parent to know that you're not supposed to do that and yet we do it anyway. Mm. I would say when you do compare, give you yourself permission to do less than other families appear to be doing or less than other moms appear to be doing because you either because you're going through a transition, which is a huge mental and emotional load, you know, if you've moved and you're adjusting to a new place or you've moved back, or you just started solar parenting, or you just moved back and you're getting used to not solo parenting. These are all huge transitions. Mm. Or he's
0: just home for three days and he's gonna go again.
1: <laughs> right. Right. So yes. And I do find my younger boys, our children are from four years old to 16, but the youngest ones, especially they're a little off the first couple of days after he leaves with like bedtimes are harder. They push back harder. They they're not as quick to listen to me. And that's every second week (laughs) it's, it gets old, but yeah. So that idea of it's okay to maybe not do the volunteer things or a lot of what we do, the mental load and the emotional part of supporting children it doesn't show up on the calendar as an activity but it's still taking energy that is such a good
0: point that does not show up as the calendar as time that has been spent and well spent something
1: I definitely do very different than I used to is how I treat my calendar I put almost everything in it now it's only been the last year or so that i've gone electronic but whether it's electronic or paper like this morning there's the thing in my calendar that said move the food from the freezer to the fridge so it'll be thawed for tomorrow like things like that and and all you put that in your calendar well just those things the that, steps to do there's just too many things in our brains there's a organization class i did or something but she said you know your brain is not a usb like get it out of your brain (laughs) you don't need to keep all these things in there all you know those little extra things that no I won't remember in the rush of the morning but it will mess me up tomorrow if I don't do it so
0: yeah yeah but I like it because it's in the calendar not in a separate to-do list then you can see it in the flow and sort of check
1: it off and move on when it's when it's done and and kids even pick up times for kids because I have different times and they're not they change every day based on extracurriculars so again it just helps me when I look at it in the morning I can kind of visualize a little better the flow of the day and if someone does offer to drive somebody I know exactly what where they could help more quickly
0: oh my word I like that so do you look the day before or something or the week or you set up the week? I, as
1: I know things, I put them in sooner than later. And I have a shared app with my daughters who have, you know, their own basketball games and practices and musical and whatever. Uh, So their main things can be in there as well. Uh, So I, I usually look the night before, but even if I don't, at least I can glance in the morning. I mean, I've run into trouble many, many times where something's on the calendar, but the calendar's at home, and I haven't looked at it, and I forget. I'm sure I put it down somewhere. <laughs> but...
0: There's a lot of things to juggle, but I like that idea of putting a to do to do list on the calendar. And even I ran across a thing called Inbox Zero, which is the the aim to get zero emails in your inbox, and that is to you know either answer it straight away right. or put it in your calendar. So you're actually it's you're putting the time aside to answer that that email and it's the same concept really, isn't it? It's saying, Well, I need to prepare this a food. <laughs> so I'm gonna actually put that time out in the calendar and blank right. it out, which right. makes total sense, right? So how do you do it personally for you to kind of not completely go um, exhausted? Well, exhausted? sometimes I have been exhausted.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I've gotten a little better at I think. Preempting that, I, I, it took me a long time to be okay with paying for childcare just to have a break. You know, it seems yeah. more legit to pay for childcare if it's to go make money or for mm-hmm. a particular special event. But I, I'm pretty sure it was one of your podcasts that that said, you know, basic rest. It's it's not a luxury. It's not superfluous. It's more like changing the oil in your car. If you don't do it, it will be ruined you know there's some basic maintenance and and you just you don't get that time to yourself so you need to take it sometimes and and not yeah waste more mental energy feeling bad yeah. about taking it
0: yeah totally I loved what you said as well in your notes about um about what other moms do that wouldn't work for you oh yes yes
1: I've I believe I've heard other podcast hosts say that they're when they do the episodes about what's saving my life right now those are really popular episodes and sometimes there's some great tips in there but basically everything you listen to has to go through a filter of my life is different than their life (laughs) my life is different than their life (laughs) because some of the things they say are just they will absolutely not work for me and they like what like Like a total tease They, they you know oh get up I don't know, read for 20 minutes in the morning before kids get up. Like my big kids are up late and my little kids are like, that's just not going to work. Not going to work. Or I don't know, hot baths or I don't know. Um, but yeah, sometimes, as a special event, maybe, but some of those things that are like, just build it into your routine or just
0: make a goal and make it happen. It's no, you know, that's no. the whole, that's <laughs> the whole reason. Well, it's part <laughs> of the reason why I started the, the podcast, but also all the work that I do is like, it, practically everything had to be filtered through the life that we have. The self care, the time yeah. we take for ourselves, the career, Because even that, I think we have to look sometimes on a longer scale than we have to play the longer game rather than a shorter game because everything is more intense. Um, And with this transitioning in and out, even um, in Richelle uh, Fuch's um, episode, she was saying, you know, people compare us to single parents, but we're not because single parents have a system and then they stick with it parents who are solo parenting who have a partner who right. comes in and out well then they're in a system and they change system then they change system again and they change system again you're constantly changing and then even if you're changing between two systems sometimes like we ended up having transitions within a transition where you're moving country while your partner is still going back and forth to wherever they're working from and so I think ev- a, a lot of things have to be, even friendship circles, asking for help, all that kind of stuff has to be seen through the filter of having a partner who's kind of coming in and out of home, in a way.
1: Yeah, and it's it's tricky for for a long time. I was when the kids were younger, it was like, oh, if daddy's home, then it's just family time. But you can't. After a while, you can't really live that way. You can't expect you know, your 14 and 15 year olds not to have activities on the weekend so that they're always free to spend all the hours with dad. I mean, they, they make a point of getting Mm -hmm. time in with him, but, but it can't be a shut down the whole schedule or not choose to do things Mm -hmm. because he's in and out either. So it's tricky finding, finding the balance there of making sure that, that there's family time. Absolutely. But, but yeah, without, without asking them to not sign up for things because you can't be committed on the days when dad might be around that's not fair
0: right yes especially if plans change and then you're like well then i you know i held back but then your plans changed and you're not coming in the end and then you're like oh yeah so but do you think well this is not a question i sent you ahead but do you think your kids missed out or missing out because that's often something we ask ourselves it's like oh, you know, am I messing up my kids because dad or mom is not around? I, I think it is different for moms and dads. If the mom is traveling or if the dad is traveling, I there's still research that needs to go into that. But I'm curious. Right. Well, we've had, I mean, ours is unusual,
1: I guess, and that we would, we were away for a couple of years back in Canada for a couple of years and away for a couple of years and back in Canada for a year. And back and forth and and now we've been here about five years but the nature of that expat work was that we would be back a lot in the summers so really i mean our kids saw their grandparents more than nieces and nephews who just live a little further away in canada but have a more typical vacation schedule Mm. right like but compared to
0: that but compared i mean compared to the dad i mean Compared to the dad being away two weeks and then coming back for three weeks, does it?
1: (laughs) It's big pros and big cons. But no, I definitely don't think they miss out on the whole. Now, when we've been overseas, he's had more time at home in the evenings and whatnot. Mm -hmm. Uh, But if I compare, if he were to take a local job here, he still wouldn't be home till at least six, often seven in the evening most days, and he would leave Mm. by seven in the morning. Mm. So Yes, he could get to a few more basketball games and whatnot, but but when he comes home on those three days, yeah, it's super short. Mm. But he's off during a during the school day, and he he takes kids out for one-on-one time or does special things with them. In a lot of ways, they get they get more time with them than than they might. That's again, it's just it's hard to compare.
0: Yeah, yeah. I'm looking at the notes that you send because there's so many good points and I'm hoping that potentially we can turn it into maybe a blog or being strategic is huge.
1: Well, that one I was just telling you before we started, I said, buy a boot dryer. Yeah. Uh, for for years, I always just, we live in Canada and we'd have wet mittens everywhere trying to dry them. And I realized my neighbors had a boot dryer, which is this contraption that you put mittens or boots on and it's basically like a hairdryer that blows up inside them and just deals with that so much quicker and so much less mess. And it's just a small thing. And during soccer season, it's lovely because wet soccer cleats are horrible. Uh, But the idea of just investing in those little things that make your daily life a little less messy and a little simpler, that Mm -hmm. is one way to be strategic in other bigger things. Like food is always food prep's always been a challenge. And of course, I think anyone who's moved to another country knows it, it just groceries can become more time consuming because you don't know what you can get and you don't know what you can make. And you don't just go to your default regular foods or you can't find things and And every time we've gone through a transition, just figuring out how best to handle food has always been a challenge and sometimes a very big frustration and that, uh, but we've tried lots of different things. and I would just say keep keep trying different arrangements. Don't like just don't stay stuck. We've had I had a neighbor used to cook a couple of freezer meals a week for me. and for a while we had hired help. In Argentina, we had some hired help, and some whether that's help with with the childcare so you can cook or help with the cooking, which turns out you have to be quite organized to have good help with your cooking. Mm -hmm. That was, that was my downfall there. But, um, but yeah, just, just try different things and don't stress if it's not ideal from the (laughs) Mm get-go.
0: And also you said like um, taking a step back, right? That's important.
1: Yes. You can't be strategic if you have no brain space.
0: Yeah. And that's often what we get caught out with. I think a lot of us, we just, you just don't have the time to step back. And so you're not necessarily being as strategic as as, you can, as we could be. Whereas if we take the time and say, okay, well, I am going to take an hour, or I, and sometimes even bringing someone else in and saying, okay, I need help being strategic because I can't see the the wood for the trees, or whatever it, the the expression yes. is. Yeah. Uh, sometimes bringing someone else in and saying, "Okay, I, I need a help here," because some of the things we do sometimes may be taking way more time than they should be. And you, if you take a, you know, thirty minutes out or an hour out and actually look at it, you could say shave off like half a day or a whole day out of your your week. And then spend that doing something that you're actually going to enjoy. So it's, I I really, when I, when I thought you'd written that point down, I was like, yes, that's also another great point because I think sometimes we, it's just hard to stop when you're on that wee hamster wheel Mm -hmm. and trying to juggle everything together. You're afraid one of the plates is going to drop if you stop. But then you get really reactive. mm, So, how would you suggest doing that then? Have you got any like tips about? what things to look at yeah
1: uh, I've done a few different things that help definitely getting everything out of your head like making a list of these are all the things I'm handling right now and starting to group them together or see what you can offload like I said at like hi. Food was my big issue, so so my husband would suggest hiring help for that. But it turns out I needed to be really organized and plan really well for that help to be maximized. Maybe hiring help for laundry, which takes way less planning, but still takes time. Maybe that, you know, just just sort of figuring out either the thing that really drains you and or the thing that is just easier to... <laughs> To hand off to someone else or to ask, a, or I mean, my bigger kids can do their own laundry, that sort of thing, to start to get a few of those things off your plate or just say, I don't have to do this for now in this season,
0: (laughs) right? Lower standards, just slightly on some of the things. I realized that I was cleaning, I was trying to clean to my mom's standard. And I'm like, that's my mom's standard. She didn't have my life and it's not necessarily a value for me so why right. am i struggling and it's taking me all this time when really i can live with a bit more mess uh, my threshold is a bit higher <laughs> so i think that's 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 a useful one as well you know saying you know uh, what am i what am i doing that someone else's kind of value or someone else's standard Right. Um, So there's there's that, there's thinking outside the box in terms of what can you offload, what can the kids do, um, what's taking too much time and can be simplified. And then what what can I just, you know, stop doing or that, that I'm doing that's just not necessary.
1: Right, right. And of course, with cleaning, you get into the decluttering and all of those things. Which are helpful, but also may not be the time for us to tackle a big decluttering project. But one thing we do do several times a year, definitely after Christmas and birthdays and stuff, is we just tell the kids to go to their rooms and and pick out 10 things that they're ready to get rid of. And it doesn't stay on top of all the clutter, but it helps. Yeah. With toys and And it's
0: feasible. That
1: they're done with and and it's them it's not me going through everything for for all the children so
0: yeah and it's doable right they won't take that long to do it yeah wow well I mean I tell you I've I've seen you do it from afar and I kind of try and keep telling you that you you are handling a lot (laughs) so uh I think also, you know, encouraging each other to say, you know, to remember that where you're juggling a lot. and There's a lot going on. Mm-hmm. So, but did you get a bit of time to yourself? Yeah, I a couple of weeks ago, I, I had a
1: weekend away and it was kind of a tease because we're on the last couple of months here. And it just gave me that taste of, oh, I could actually get things done if I had a few hours in a row. Mhm. Uh but yes. Yes, well, in in our mastermind group, we in January we said, you know, we all went through and said what are your big goals for the year? And uh I said survive until mid-March and then make a goal maybe by May. And I think that was a good answer, but then as soon as I had a window of time, I'm like, oh, I am not satisfied with that answer anymore right I want to move on I want to be done um but that whole yeah just the live in your season and realize you're caring a lot Mm. and I would say as a (laughs) as the overachieving type uh learning to give yourself permission to make stupid mistakes that's been one that I've learned very quite gradually but Mm -hmm. Didn't have that in my 20s or as an early mom,
0: (laughs) I think. Yeah. Do you feel like now that you're coming to the end where it's another few months now and then he'll be back home for for good, I suppose? I mean, he won't be traveling for a while for the work. Do you feel like it's starting to kind of go, oh, this is actually the last stretch is, is kind of hard?
1: Yes.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I got a lovely note from a friend who's a retired military spouse and she said, "It's really human to get really impatient and and it could be a good oppor- good teaching opportunity for your kids for them to see that you struggle." Oh. <laughs> <it's> like, <laughs> ouch. I felt like it was lovely and I felt seen and I also don't really want to hear it.
0: Yeah. <laughs> like great my kids are going to see me struggle and it's a good thing (laughs) yeah Yeah. yes what are you looking forward to most having
1: uh i don't know doing fun things i guess maybe (laughs) do some getting hikes or ski or just have a bit of space for the for uh, things other than managing the day-to-day i think
0: do you think there'll be more time for like spontaneous outings or there'll be less need for planning and somewhat, but I have
1: found if I, that's something my Jamie often asks me like, what, what do I want my days to look like when he's back? And I realized, I think it'll be more helpful if we figure out which roles I can reliably offload if we don't schedule we're sort of tripping over each other he's trying to help the kids get out in the morning but I'm still doing it too and it doesn't save as much time as it could
0: (laughs) Mm. there's gonna be a pretty big transition period there isn't it because you've been doing this for what a year and a half now it'll be two years yeah Yeah. it'll be a complete change of routine because you'll both be there Mm mm-hmm so, yeah,
1: so, so figuring out a new division of labor.
0: Maybe we need to schedule a new, uh, another uh, chat once you've uh, transitioned. Yeah. What, what your insights are being the other side of the coin.
1: <laughs> yes, it's a running joke that, that I keep reminding him that I do not work for him.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Well, oh, thank you so much. for. Do you want to add anything before? And then please let, let uh, people know where they can uh, sign up for your newsletter to get um, all your the practical advice that you give, but also um, just inspiration as well in our parenting journey. Right.
1: Well, um, yeah, so it's unpackingparenting.com. And there is a sign up there, a spot to sign up for a newsletter on the homepage, unpackingparenting.com. Uh, and if you go to the blog, there's a few things about productivity and a different way to look at your to-do list and and more about like I talked about just that food's always been a challenge so different things that we've tried and chores as well.
0: No, yeah, you have written about that too.
1: yeah, I still haven't figured that out. <laughs> still doesn't work
0: yeah. but I think that's an evolving target, you know.
1: <laughs> It's true. They they all they all help do some chores, but not, you know, not completely.
0: <laughs> yeah. Sometimes I used to say it's going to be an act of self-care for me to do the chores myself. Because, <laughs> because it was just it was much more work trying to keep them on track. And I get it that it's um for them to learn. And it's you know, a teaching moment and part of parenting. But sometimes I just say, do you know what? I'm just going to do it all myself because right now I don't have the margin or the patience to actually steer them and, you know, give them the framework. Um, so this is it, right? It's accepting that it's evolving, that we need to give ourselves grace, that it's a very specific kind of way of life. hmm Mm-hmm. And uh, and you won't with-
1: ruin your children because you lost your patients once and or did the chore for them a couple of
0: times, so. yeah, it's a long game, isn't it? It's a long game, but thank you. I think you raised some really important points, and um I think that uh from someone who is living it, you're right in it's hot off the press, as it were, so uh appreciate it. Thank you very much, Colleen for. Joining me today.
1: Ah, oh, thank you so much, Rhoda.